Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning into SST on Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, and now on YouTube. Joined here with a very special guest in person. I haven't done many in-person podcasts over the past couple years, and this one's special because it was a nice short walk over just a just a door just a door or two right. to meet up with my friend David Plaka of Venture House. Thank you so much for coming in. We have some great stuff to talk about today. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. And you are part of Venture House with a great uh, event coming up this weekend, May 15th, at City Field, partnering with the Men's for Mental Health Awareness Month in May. We're obviously going to talk about that, but you are also a big-time Mets fan, I so am. we got to talk some baseball. Sure, too. sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. So Let's start with the Mets. I think they're losing right now 5-3 to three against the Nationals, but... We're not worried about that. We're not worried about that right now, right? Tyler McGill may They've be, had a lot of comebacks, right? He might be regressing in front of our eyes a little bit. in the first inning here. Um, but, you know, I'm going to chalk it up to the Mets offense, delaying him. It threw off his routine, right? If, if Garrett Cole can blame the first pitch on opening day on being three minutes late, then Tyler McGill can blame the Mets scoring three runs on why he's out of rhythm. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but it has been really fun uh, so far this season. I know we talked about it last weekend. Even more has happened since then. Obviously, the comeback against the Phillies oh was just incredible, and it's their really, second comeback against the Phillies, right? I'm talking the seven run. Well, they had the seven run, but they also had had one a couple of weeks earlier. Yes, in the ninth inning, not as dramatic, but the one last week, um, the uh, five pitcher no hitter. Yeah. Oh, how could you forget that? Oh my gosh, a, a, a real no hitter. A real no hitter. I mean, I don't know. It's well, tough to say. Noah well, Syndergaard has thoughts about that. Well, right. I mean, it was a real no-hitter in so far as there wasn't an actual hit given up like in the first no-hitter. Right. But I was speaking with a friend of mine who said this is not a no-hitter because there's five pitchers involved. So, But there are no hits. There you know, are. so it's, yeah. listen, the Mets no-hitter history, no-hitter history is questionable. Yes. Johan, questionable. We'll take it. We'll take it. We were off the schneid. Right, right. It would be nice for us to have a normal one so we don't have to be made fun of for our other no-hitters, <laughs> right. and we can be celebrated right, right. for all sorts of no-hitters. Right, right. If there was uh, <laughs> a replay, I don't think it's a no-hitter. That is correct. <laughs> that is correct. Do they do they do replays for foul balls like that? I guess they... I, I, I'm, that's a good question. They do I, replays I'm for so sure. much. Who's yeah, 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 say at this yeah, point? Yeah, it's hard to keep up. But before we get into all that baseball talk, don't forget that the NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? Well, with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your parlay by combining multiple bets. Maybe you like the spread. Maybe you like the over-under. Maybe you like Luka Doncic to go over on his points. Or Giannis to get rebounds over 10. And then, boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place the same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPM, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. But the vibes around the Mets are very good right now. Oh, my gosh. Um, in Buck, we trust. In Buck, we trust. The energies are feeling correct. Some of the guys who we felt negative about last year are starting to come around. Jeff McNeil probably leading that that you know rally train there right, of right. being back. Batting but, in every single position in the order, right? Literally. He's I think everything except maybe leadoff. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If he didn't swing at the first pitch all the time, <laughs> he might be good there too, right? Right, 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 right. <laughs> but Nimmo being back and healthy, not that he was bad last year, but he's healthy. Lindor, you know, some ups and downs hitting, yep. but better than last year. Dom Smith, not super consistent playing time, but back. It feels like this is a whole team. Do you, are you nervous now as a Mets fan, naturally, since we, we kind of run nervous, or are you feeling the confidence is real? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's hard not to wait for, um, you know, the other shoe to drop, if you will, or the wheels to come off the bus or whatever, you know, uh, whatever expression you want to use. Um, so you are kind of waiting for that. But there, there does seem to be something different about this team. There really does. Um, professional hitters, um, their approach at the plate, um, the starting pitching, um, Edwin Diaz. Right. I mean, I feel confident when he gets in the game and the trumpets are playing. I mean, I'm a little nervous. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit nervous yes. with the bullpen. I think we need to shore up the bullpen. But there is just something different. And I, 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 I don't think I'm alone when I'm saying it's management. Now, is it just Buck all by himself? I don't, I don't know about that. I think that uh, Steve Cohen and the whole, you know, and the attitude for the Mets from the top down – I think something is changing. Um, I have nothing against Robinson Cano, just to use this as an example, but the fact that they made a baseball decision and parted with $40 million, you know, that, that, that to me says something. It def- impressive. It means they're going in the right direction, that direction being putting winning above all things, yes. right? And that's yes. something that, you know, fans across the country have gripes with, including some of the richest franchises, uh, in in the league, that includes the Yankees, right? The big brother, quote unquote, sure. to the Mets. Even their fans are frustrated that it doesn't always feel like winnings above all else. Now, Steve Cohen has a lot to do before he's you know put up on the Hall of Fame of the Mets here, but it seems like that's number one priority and the money secondary. And now, something that worried me is also secondary, where he seemed to care a lot about what the fans thought early on. And though it was appreciated that he seemed to care, and though it was appreciated that fans felt heard, I don't think that's the best way to run an organization. Now, you could argue in this particular case with getting rid of Cano, he was listening to the fans. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like he's on Twitter as much and making uh, much about nothing. He's kind of just putting the goals in front of him and attacking them every day. And from top to bottom, Cohen down to Buck, down to this team, they're going in the right direction. And it's hard to deny that. We're just built as Mets fans to be weary. Exactly. 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 Well said. Yeah. Well said. Uh, so, you know, I, I was talking to a Yankee fan on this podcast last week, and I brought up the Edwin Diaz thing that you kind of just touched on. You know, there's confidence there. It's a newfound narrative around Edwin Diaz that's deserved. But realistically, closers across the board, who are you really confident in? Right? There's, there's no Mario Rivera's right. in this league for a reason. He was one of one or, you know, one of a couple over the course of history. So the fact that Edwin's putting together this year so far, yeah, he, he walks a couple guys, makes it interesting. I don't know what closer doesn't do that. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. If you listen to uh, shows like yours, podcasts, sports talk, um, you know, that, that that is a theme that I hear. And I think it's correct. Yeah. I mean, if we're getting rid of Edwin and replacing him with someone else, who is that person? And who's not going to make your heart flutter? So, yeah, I mean, I think these guys are real inconsistent. They're up and down. Uh, back in, was it 2018 when he had 57 saves? Right. Uh, you know, lights out ERA, and he was great. The year after his first year with the Mets, I was just looking it up. I think he had a 5.59 oh. ERA. It was brutal. He, he managed the 26 saves with 5.59. I mean, that's, 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 that's bad. It's almost impressive he got that many it's saves. It's almost <laughs> impressive he got that many saves. But, you know, um, you know, a lot of people talk about that first year in New York, especially for stars that come over, you know, that are legitimate stars in other markets. Um, and I think New York is a different animal. And um, was the next year of the pandemic year? I can't remember. Yes. You know, yes. And, you know, and he did better. And last year he was okay. Um, you know, maybe he's maybe he's getting more comfortable here. Yeah. You know, the trumpets. Maybe he's embracing that. Mr. Yeah. and Mrs. Matt on top of the dugout. I love it when he comes in. Oh man, that's fun. <laughs> I, I haven't been to a game this season yet, but I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing the trumpets. It's so much fun. Have you have you been to a game where the trumpets are out? No, I, I, not that I'm aware of. I'm trying to think the last couple. No, of, they did this last year. I'm, I think I only went to L's last year. Okay. I only went to losses. Are you serious? Yeah, I went to three games last year, and I was 0 for 3. Dude, we're not going to a game together. <laughs> well, I think it, I was I think I was 4 and 1 last year, or 5 and 1, something like that. If it means anything, I was 5 and 1 going to Knicks games this year, and they were bad this year. So that's I don't know. That's impressive. Maybe... You know, I flip, I flipped the script too. So who's to say if I'm good luck or All bad right. luck? All right. Maybe you are. Maybe you are. We'll have to check that out. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a different thing here with the Mets, and it, it's exciting. And I want to ask you just a little bit about your history as a Mets fan. Sure. So from the tri-state area, you know, you don't have to get too specific. You don't want to here, but as specific as you'd like to get. You've been a Mets fan for for some time now, and you you'd consider yourself diehard. Is that fair to say? You know, I'm. Die hard, but some of your listeners might throw me under the bus a little bit. Uh-oh, here we go. Yeah, Under the train. You stay under, on brand. Under the train, right, stay on brand. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, maybe kind of staying with the theme of mental health, you know, okay. therapy. I can sort of unburden myself a little bit here and reveal some things here. So, um, grew up in Westchester, um, born in the Bronx, lived in the Bronx for the first five, six years of my life. Uh, parents are Bronx people, South Bronx, Yankee Stadium, the whole thing. Mm. Uh, grandfather had a deli, Jewish deli, right by the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, right by Yankee Stadium, uh, the Roxy Delicatessen. So we were Yankee people. We were Yankee people, and I grew up being a big baseball fan. And I didn't really embrace any team in particular. Uh, went to a lot of Yankee games, went to some Met games, just loved baseball. Okay. Um, you know, grew up in the, uh, born in 67, so was there for the, Great Yankee teams of the 70s. Um, went to a couple of World Series. And, you know, I rooted for the Yankees, but I was not really diehard. You're a kid. Mm-hmm. You collect baseball cards. Right? Of course. I can't tell you why, but I had a lot of cards of, I'm going to get murdered here, the Phillies. Okay. Wait, now I was not, that was a turn I wasn't expecting. You didn't expect that one right. No, no, no. Mike Schmidt? Mike Schmidt, mm-hmm. right? Pete Rose, mm. Manny Trio, Greg Lazinski, the Bull. I, I, 
I can't explain to you why I adopted them. I think, I think what it was is that there are a couple things going on. First of all, growing up in Westchester, we, um, cable was starting to be a thing. Mm -hmm. And we got Channel 17. That was the Philadelphia um, station. It was sort of like a precursor to TBS from Atlanta. Okay. And you could see every singles the Phillies game. Wow. You know, I mean, of course, we had Channel 9, we had Channel right, 11. Right. You could watch all the Met games and the Yankee games. But I was intrigued by that. You know, I was like, this is different. And I, and I, and I was always kind of a kid who that was different. Mm-hmm. Kind of walked to my own, you know, drummer a little bit. So I had a lot of their baseball cards. Um, I'm watching the games on TV, tuning into Harry Callis, who was a great announcer. And I'm learning about the Phillies' history, and I'm intrigued. And I realized that they have never won a World Series. Mm. They went to the World Series in 1950 and they lost to the Yankees. But they had never, ever won a World Series. Unlike the Red Sox, who of course had that huge drought until... Right. They had at least had one way back when. They had at least had one. And the Phillies never had one. And I think I was the type of kid, and still am a little bit, that roots for the underdog. And that, you know... Yeah, roots, roots, roots for the underdog. Not that the Mets weren't an underdog. Well, it depends. There's maybe one portion of the 80s where they were not... That's true. Other than that, always underdogs. So, long story short, um, I rooted for the Phillies in the 70s. They won in 1980, and I was 13, you know, just mm. had my bar mitzvah, 13-year-old kid, and I went through the roof. I mean, that was probably, still to this day. Now, did your family... <laughs> the get- happiest day of my life. I mean, oh I my. shouldn't say that. <laughs> I got two beautiful kids. I got a beautiful <laughs> wife, right? Right. All that stuff. But But certainly up until that time the happiest day in my entire life. Uh, my family and my friends were all on board with me and they were okay. happy for me. I had that, you know, that Phillies uh, uh, throwback. They wear it sometimes, that um, sort of gray, blue. I was thinking like the baby bluish baby thing Baby bluish with the, with the purplish pink mm-hmm. pee that's there. You know, so I, so I had that thing going. I was rocking that. And I kind of, after that, I... I had reached the mountaintop. You finished your journey. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I had finished the journey, and I said to myself, what the... I don't know if I can curse on this. Yeah, you can do it. What the the fuck am I (laughs) rooting for the Phillies for? Yeah. I'm a New York kid, and I I just... I didn't see the purpose, so I was kind of a man, a boy without a team for a couple of years. The Phillies went, if you remember, in 1983 against the Orioles. Okay, which were the big, bad Orioles at that point. They were the big, bad Orioles, and the Phillies were the Wheeze kids. Not the Wiz kids, which the Phillies were in the 1950s. Okay. They were the Wiz kids because Pete Rose was even older. Schmidt was getting old. Um, Joe Morgan <laughs> was on the team. Wow. They had really old guys. And I watched and I tuned in and they lost. But I really didn't. I mean, I, I rooted for them. But I really yeah. didn't feel anything feeling it. in my heart. Um, and I kind of made a conscious decision the next year. I'm going to be a Met fan. There you go. And I was well, always going to turn back to the Yankees. That would have felt too close to home. No, no. I think, you know, I had, um, I really became a national league fan. Okay. I really enjoyed the national league brand. Uh, the pitchers hitting, um, um, uh, you know, the game was a little bit speedier, you know, uh, not station to station as much, uh, the pinch hitting, um, it really spoke to me. Um, so I did adopt the team in nine in, in, in 84, Good timing. Um, it was good timing. I did not jump on the bandwagon in 86. <laughs> I swear. I swear I did not. 
Uh, but it was good timing. It was good timing. In 84, they were getting better. In 85, of course, they had a great year. And then 86, I am a beginning my sophomore year at college in Boston University. And uh, a lot of New York fans there, a lot of, uh, a lot of Met fans. Mm. And wow. Yeah. I, I can still remember being in the student union. So wait, you're in Boston. I'm in Boston. For the 86. I'm and in so, Boston so first, for the 86 so first, World Series. Let me, let me just backtrack real yeah. quick. So first, you're a young Phillies fan in New York. Right. And then you go to college in Boston and say, I'm going to become a Mets fan. <laughs> well, I didn't right? say well, it then. Well, I, mean, no, yeah. I was. Yeah. Of course, yeah. there's some more yeah. time there. Right. And then they take on the Red Sox yeah. in the World Series. Yeah. So you're yeah. just living in enemy territory. I, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Although, interestingly enough, it didn't seem like enemy territory. Certainly, the Mets were enemy territory uh, up, up in Boston in the World Series. Uh, where I grew up in Westchester, New Rochelle, there weren't too many, Met, there weren't too many Met fans. Mm. It was really Yankee territory. Making sense, uh, yeah. So, um, the Phillies were not much of a threat. Fair. Just kind of like, so. typically, the Mets wouldn't be much of a threat in Boston. Typically, True. right? Yeah, that, right? That was one of the outlier seasons where... Red Sox fans and Mets fans can hate each other freely. Usually it's kind of like Mets fans will say, hey, Red Sox, like, take the Yankees down. They're being annoying or vice versa. Like, you I, know? Think, I think historically there's been a little bit of an alliance with, right. uh, with the Mets and Red Sox fans. I always felt that. I think I mean, that's fair. When I was a younger guy where I kind of, you know, I, I would say when I was younger I didn't root for the Yankees. I rooted against them more than I do now because now I'm an adult. I'm a Mets fan through and through. But it's just so much more fun when the Mets and Yankees are good. There's right. no room for me to hate the Yankees every day. Don't you feel there's also less animosity? A little bit. Right? A little bit. I, I mean, there's still, like, the, the competitive nature of Yankee versus Mets of fans of, like, who's better, who's this, who's that, of 27, course. blah, 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 the whole nine. Sure, sure. Um, but when I was a kid, you know, and I was in 2001, they lost to Arizona Diamondbacks, I believe. Yep. yep. I was only seven years old, so yeah. I wasn't even staying up for the end of those games. I remember waking up, Dad, Dad. Did the Yankees lose? Yes, they did. There was a walk-off, and I see it on SportsCenter the next day, and I was so excited. You wanted them to lose. Oh, I wanted them to lose. When they (laughs) lost to the Marlins, I was happy, and I was just happy about that. Now, as an adult— You were were hardcore growing up. I was hardcore. I was was definitely hardcore, and now I want them to be good. I want them to be successful. You know, do I want them to win at all costs? No, obviously not. The Mets are my team. But if they win a championship, I'm here for it. It'll be fun. I sure. like some of their players. I think that's another thing, too. They have a likable bunch of guys, like Aaron Judge, typically likable. Uh, Cole, whatever, take it or leave yeah. it. Uh, but like LeMayhew. LeMayhew's nice. very yeah. likable. There, there's a lot of likable guys there. But wait, I want to go back sure. to, to sure. 86. Sure. So sure. you enjoyed the Mets World Series from Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that was must have been a special... Bizarre. I, I, I mean, I was all around, you know, New York guys, mm-hmm. you know, that I befriended. And it was it was just, it was amazing. Interestingly enough, the highlight that I can remember is not Game 6, although, of course, everyone remembers Game 6. Right. I remember Game 7. I think it was Game 5, I think. I'm not prepared for the podcast, <laughs> part, but I'm pretty sure it's Game 5. We didn't five. know we were going to go Right, here. right. We didn't know we were going to go here. <laughs> I think it was a, I think it was a 14-inning game. And pretty sure it was a walk off. The Mets are probably playing at home, and Lenny Dykstra is up. And <laughs> it, it's 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 the game's dragging on. The game's dragging on, and I'm with my buddy Steve. We're in the student union. Dykstra's up. I think there's a runner on, probably Backman. And um, they pan to Dykstra's wife. In the, in the stands, 
and she's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. You know, she's a she's a wag, right? Okay. You know, and Steve and I turn to each other. We're like, oh my gosh, if he hits one out, he is so getting it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> At the next pitch, he jacks it out. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. We were we were going crazy. Oh, we were man. going crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And that's that's clearly one of those things you do not forget. Yeah. It's one yeah. of those moments in time. It's <laughs> pinnacle for maybe no one else. You know, obviously it's a big moment in the game, but you specifically with that moment, that that's amazing. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's like some of the stuff that I wish turned into World Series memories for me mm. in 2000, which is some of my first memories of watching baseball. Like truly, like, Watching vivid memories of seeing the television on with baseball. Yeah, I'm six years old yeah. in 2000. I was born in '94. I remember watching the uh, the old base running error. All right, that's a terrible that's a terrible memory. But that's one of my first memories of watching baseball. Then fast forward to 15 when they're in the World Series. I'm in college. I'm a uh, senior in college, I believe, or junior in college. Yeah, it's my beginning of my senior year. Okay. And those are memories. A couple of my housemates are Mets fans. And we're watching every game. We're hanging by every thread. And, and it's just like the little things of like, oh, we had our family over that one Mets game. And it's our great. families are trying to say, oh, how's college? We're like, shut up. The Mets are on. Like, this is the World Series. Get out of here. And we're just, unfortunately, it didn't turn into World no, Series memories. No. But just those little memories you never forget. No, no. It's great. It's great. It's, 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 it's fantastic. It's bonding. It's bringing people together. Um, it's, it creates community, mm-hmm. you know. Before we move on, you know, <laughs> I'm getting a little older here. I just turned fifty-five. I think I'm. I, I'm not sure. I got it. I got to check. We'll check. Uh, you yeah. know, on the internet afterwards. I think the Dykstra home run. I'm not sure if that was the World Series. It may have been the playoffs against the Astros. Okay, the old NL Astros. Yes. All right. People forget. Yes, which was a crazy series. Crazy, crazy series of the Mets beating the Astros. That- Interestingly enough. The Mets beat the Astros in 86 in seven games in one of the greatest um, NL um, CS, um, series ever. Mm-hmm. The Phillies, my old Phillies in 1980, mm. beat those old NL Astros in a great five-game series because the playoffs used to be five games. Right. So, yeah, the Astros have a, um, uh, have, um, have a bit of a history. And then every Yankee fan listening teams. at least just smiled about that because yeah. they hate the Astros so much. Of course. Of course. Was, the, was the 86 uh, Mets victory over the Astros at the Jesse Roscoe throwing the glove up, the famous? That, that was the World Series. That was 86. That was in the World Series. That was 86. Okay. okay. I, was, I forgot if that was to get to the World Series or if that was in the World Series. Yeah, sometimes I wasn't alive. So I... No, no, no. <laughs> no, that was 86, I think, to get to the... Uh, Oh my gosh! Wow, it's been some. No, time. no, 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 no. That was yeah, that was Jesse. Yeah, I think the final out was it a pop up to third? Or I'm not now. I'm I might be mixing up. Or maybe it's clips. a strikeout. Who's to too? Say? I don't know. It was don't it was know. wonderful. I know the clip that I can picture it. He goes down all the way into a crouch. Fantastic. Flies his glove up into Amazing. the air. Amazing. Gets rushed at the mound. What a what a beautiful day. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, but this is a good time to segue. Okay. Actually, since we're talking about. Uh, community yeah, and yeah. coming together and things of that nature, yeah. right? Uh, Venture House is the organization you work for. Correct. You guys work with uh, mental illness, like people with mental illness, helping them get placed with job opportunities and really just become a part of the community, right? You were talking, and now this mental health push met during May with the Mental Health Awareness Month, it's, you know, what better time to talk about it than, than right now? 
before we get into the nitty-gritty of the event that you have going on and what your organization does to segue it more smoothly from a sports perspective, what has it been like from, from your perspective as a professional in that industry to see more athletes talk about mental health and to see it become just a part of mainstream media chatter, if you will? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great, great question, Pete. Um, the short answer is I think it's great. Um, I think it's great that athletes are talking about it. I think it's great that they're working to reduce the stigma that is attached to mental health um, with this with this event, which we'll talk about in a little bit. We talk about striking out the stigma mm. of um, mental illness. Um, and it's not just athletes. While that's great, while that's great that athletes are talking about it and celebrities and stars and all that, um, something seems to be different about this generation. Something seems to be different about the millennial generation where, in general, there is less stigma. Mm. Um, I've been doing this work for 35 years, and I can remember talking about fundraisers or talking about the agencies that I've worked for. I've always worked in mental health agencies and comparing that with colleagues of mine who worked um, with people with a developmental disability. Um, you know, not necessarily a psychiatric disability, people right. with Down syndrome or, you know, something else, something cognitive um, um, uh, that people are afflicted with. And there, there, there was no angst talking about that. But if you were talking about schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or schizoaffective disorder or borderline personality, uh, people sort of dropped their head down a little bit. There was a little bit of shame. Um, it was in the shadows, and while I think there is still a lot of fear and a lot of stigma around mental health disorders, in my opinion, um, not, not, not even as a professional, just as a human being observing, it's, it's greatly lessened than it used to be. And, and that's important for people just to understand, right? And now more and more people can say, oh, crap, like what, when I had that rough stretch at whatever year or whatever age, it was a form of depression, right? It, mm-hmm. it was a form of some sort of uh, mental health issue rather than like, oh, I was being, I was just being lazy or I was just right. not feeling it. I was whatever, whatever it may be, understanding people's own thoughts, right? And I think to your point where you said the fear of it, when people hear about a mental illness, they understand it because it's cognitive. Like you said, it's diagnosed. It's not fully understood, but it's a little bit more understood, the mental health side of things affects everyone. Everybody has probably some percentage of a mental health battle they go to go through, you know, no matter who you are, no matter where you are. And it's unknown. It's hard to diagnose. Sure. It's very weird to express for a lot of people. And the more comfortability people have in the, those expressions, the more equipped they can become to fight those mental health issues with positive tools. Yeah, yeah, or or just to accept. Right, right. And to accept this is what I'm going through right now, and it stinks, and mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's terrible, it's horrible. Um, and just also gaining empathy, you know, gaining empathy for people who are, you know, again, the people that we work with here at Venture House are folks that are dealing with more serious mental health conditions, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, like I had said, major major depression, and, you know, 
that can be really scary if you're seeing someone who's actively symptomatic, you know, someone who's experiencing hearing voices, someone who's responding to external stimuli and they're talking to themselves. You know, I mean, we live in New York, we've all seen it on the subway and walking, you know, you know, walking down the streets, you know, those are sometimes people that are not getting any treatment or any care. Um, but it's, um, um, it, 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 it can be frightening. And, um, you know, I get that. I get that. And, you know, our job is to, our job at Venture House, uh, part of our job is to educate and to break down those stigmas and to let the general population know that, you know, our folks are people too. We're people too. Right. Yeah. And, and that they're not alone. Right. I feel like that's one of the things that when, and I know you mentioned that as great as it is for athletes to be talking about it and celebrities to be talking about it, that's only part of, of the battle of getting it out there. Right. But one thing that is pretty common when people in the spotlight do talk about it is they always say that thing, like you're not alone, right? right. Other people around you struggle with similar things, whether they look like they have it all together or they're one of those people you're mentioning in the subways of New York who everybody's kind of walking past quickly. Sure. Every situation is different, but in every situation, you're not alone. You're not right. the only one experiencing something like that. So I'm so glad that you brought this up, and I promised to your audience we did not rehearse this earlier. We just <laughs> we walked not. over. Yeah. Pete's my neighbor. He came over, and we're just kind of chatting here. But I have a book here. It's called We Are Not Alone. There you go. And this is the story of uh, the development of the clubhouse model. So Venture House um, subscribes to the clubhouse model. Clubhouse model was founded in 1948 here in New York City at a wonderful organization called Fountain House. Fountain House is our sister organization, and they are one of 15 clubhouses that are funded by the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene in New York City. Mm. And I'm proud to say that Venture House is one of those programs. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah it is. Venture House is an offshoot of Fountain House. We were founded in 1988 um, by the founding executive director, a guy named David Lehman, and he was working um, as an intern. Uh, I think he was a NYU social work student. And um, he ended up developing the program in Queens. We're located in Jamaica, Queens. Um, And um, yeah, we've been there ever since for 35 years. And um, it's I bring the we are not alone because the original clubhouse started as a group of ex-mental patients, ex-psychiatric patients from Rockland State Hospital, mm-hmm. right here in Rockland County in New York. And they referred to themselves as WANA, W-A-N-A. We are not alone. Wow. And it was a group, it was a support group, and they met at a coffee shop in Hell's Kitchen. And from that um, very grassroots um, meeting developed this wonderful program that's over 75 years, Fountain House, which has developed into this worldwide community of support of clubhouses. There are clubhouses in, let me see if I can get this right, over 35 countries worldwide, Mm. and there are over 300 accredited clubhouses um, all over the country. So it's not a fly-by-night model, but it's still not known as much as we would like it to be. We like right. to say that clubhouses, including Venture House, are the best kept secret in mental health. And we want to change that. We want to we change the narrative. We want to make sure that people know about it as our 
Chief Executive Officer, Juliet Douglas, great, great leader that we have at Venture House. She likes to say um, 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 the, the, the clubhouse should be as ubiquitous as the YMCA, mm. right? You walk right. down the street in, you know, in any town, you've got uh, the coffee shop, right? You've got, uh, I don't know, the bowling alley. Do people bowl yeah. anymore? Yeah, right? Sometimes. Right? Yeah, I sure. think so. Yeah, why not? The local bar, the YMCA, and you've got a clubhouse. Right. Because there's a lot of people that are struggling with mental health disorders. One in four will struggle with some sort of uh, general mental health um, um, condition over, over, over their lifetime for any given year. And one in 25 people are dealing with one of those major health diagnoses wow. that, that I mentioned before. Uh, mental health problems are also the leading cause of disability worldwide. A lot of people don't know that. And in regards to disability, you mean what exactly? Uh, people that can't return to work. Okay. You know? Right. So this hindrance is on, you know, living out the life that they want to or to do their job and et cetera. Correct. Right. Uh, th- that's crazy. And when you put those numbers into perspective, you know, anyone sitting in a classroom right now, one in 25, yeah. right? It, it's, it's a little bit scary, but that's okay because – it needs to be more understood and accepted. Now, you obviously don't want one of 25. You want that number to be different, of course, but to, to then see see it and understand it and then try to be there for people who are struggling is really what the battle is all about. And now talk a little bit about what the clubhouses actually do for, for the members, right? Great. Because yes. I know there's a lot of different things that you guys – do basically not just a not just a safe space and i use safe space kind of loosely right it's not just a place they go to hang out it's a place they go for many reasons correct correct um so first and foremost it is a safe space well yes of course i I don't want to downplay right 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 right. that's where you have to start but it's not a drop-in center yeah you know um we are not being funded by you know our partners with the uh, new york city department of health and mental hygiene and the new york state office of mental health we're not being funded um, to be a drop-in center. We have much higher aspirations for people. So what do we do? We help people get back to work. Um, 85 to 90% of people with mental health diagnoses are unemployed. Mm. Um, Our rates are much better than that. So we help people return to work. We help people return to school. Um, We help people with supported housing. Uh, We help people with... Um, socializing and social programs. Venture House is open. Uh, we used to be open 365 days a year. I can't say that anymore, Pete, uh, because we are open every other Sunday now. And okay. uh, we just made a programmatic decision to do that. A lot of people aren't coming in on Sunday. But we're open almost every single day of the year, including holidays. Every single holiday we're open. Part of the reason that is is because we know the devastating isolative effects that um, uh, mental illness can have on people. Um, when I, again, I've been doing this work for over 30 years, 35 years, and I talk to people, um, one of folks' biggest complaints is that feeling of isolation. Um, we try to counteract that. We create a community, a community of um, uh, where people are needed, where people are wanted, where people are expected. So one of the real important things about the club um, which is really sort of the the meat and potatoes of what we do, or maybe these days with a lot of vegetarians, the the, the broccoli and tofu, if you will. <laughs> um, you know, we create an environment 
of need. So a clubhouse, any clubhouse around the world, is a house, right? And it's a house that needs to be functioning, mm-hmm. right? So there's different functions that one has. The house has to be cleaned. Um, you need to cook meals. Um, there's clerical functions. There's maintenance functions. There's gardening functions. Um, for our contract uh, with the city, there's attendance that we have to do, right? If you're part of an organization, you might have a newsletter like we do. You mm-hmm. might have a journal that comes out. So all this work is an opportunity for our members to engage in meaningful activity. And, you know, one of the, one of the credos of the club is that we want people to feel needed, mm. wanted, and expected. No one's forced to come. We use the word member very intentionally. No one's a patient, obviously. They're right. not in the hospital. And they're not a client. A client is someone who receives services. A member is someone who's a member of the organization, mm. who has ownership. So our members feel a sense of ownership there. Um, they are working to make meals. They are working to make the newsletter. They are working to tend to a beautiful garden. We're having a garden party, by the way, on June 2nd. We're inviting some uh, uh, very special dignitaries in the Jamaica area. And all this stuff can be found, by the way, at VentureHouse.org, VentureHouse.org. Yeah, that's a www.VentureHouse.org. And um, at the end, I can also leave my um, uh, email and my phone number as well. Perfect. Um, so, yes, just talking about that concept of membership where people really feel that sense of belonging, that sense of need. And the staff are there, you know, not so much as being supervisors, but of being partners Mm. and developing these relationships. We believe that meaningful work and meaningful relationships are restorative to people. Um, You know, um, going to therapy, um, group therapy, individual insight-oriented therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, psychotropic medications, all very important, all very, very important. But we're not machines. You know, people, people need more in their life. And we create that holistic care, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, that combined with um, wellness is a very big word right now in um, mental health. For years, the, the saying was we treated people from the neck up. We just kind of worked on people's, you know, noggins, if you will, with, mm-hmm. you know, therapy as we gave people, you know, cups of coffee and donuts and lots of cigarettes, rewarding them for coming to group activities. Uh, that is not the way we work at Venture House at all. We have a beautiful wellness center, a fitness center mm. uh, that we were able to um, construct uh, with a combination of private funds and money from New York State that we're very proud about. It's just a fantastic program. And I should also announce, you know, we've been around for 34 years in Jamaica. We've been in our location on Hillside Avenue and 150th for 22 years. And uh, we're coming up on our fifth year um, of our program in Staten Island. Oh, fantastic. Your borough. Yes. Right. We are on um, Castleton. Okay, yeah. Castleton Avenue. What's that neighborhood? I can't It's 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 not Uh, St. George. No. Uh, Is it Brighton? West West Brighton. West Brighton. Yes. Yep, yep. We're in the West Brighton neighborhood right by, I think there's a bus depot on Jewett. Yep, I think Jewett right over there. Yep. Castle West Brighton Westerly that whole yep. little area. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yep. fantastic. Yep. Yep. That's us. So yeah, we've made our mark on Staten Island as well. I mean, it's it's really incredible, and I love the idea of 
holistically working on on these things because the people who I know have opened up with mental struggles of you know varying sorts, very intense, not not as intense. They mention how much feeling good physically can oh. impact everything else. So, I mean, it's it's really cool to hear that that's the way that they're trying to to make or you guys are trying to make this easier for people and, and more attainable goals. Um, and now how do members come about, right? So I know you said it's not a drop-in center, but I imagine in some ways it can act as one where if somebody's looking for help, they can show up, right? Like how do people become a member? How do people get involved? It's a real... on, really on both sides too, as people who are looking to help and people who need help as well. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a real good question. Um, people do drop in on occasion, but that's not the usual okay. route of referrals. Um you know the mental health system in New York City, it's 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 odd. Uh, it's <laughs> it's it's fractured, um, but it is a small community as well. Um, you know it's big, it's fractured, but it is kind of a small community. And you know the word the word gets out there. So okay. we we have connections with uh, clinics, with hospitals, with supported housing programs, with mobile treatment um, um, programs and teams. Um, we're also very, very active in, um, recruiting and doing presentations. I was at a meeting last night, uh, with some colleagues at the 103rd precinct, mm. uh, in Jamaica for their, uh, monthly, um, council meeting. So we're, we're out there in the community. People, people know about us. Right. That's, I mean, it's great. And I imagine, you know, always looking for, for help, always looking for volunteers and we, et cetera. We are always looking for partners. Right. Uh, if there are listeners out there, first of all, money's always good. Um, you know, I mentioned our funding sources with the New York State um, Department of Health and Mental Hygiene and the New, uh, the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene and the New York State Office of Mental Health. We're very grateful for those partnerships and the grants that we have with them. Um, public money is never enough and, um, having donors that we can rely on is, um, is really, really, uh, um, of great importance for us of equal importance, if not more is connections to the business community. Mm. Um, I mentioned before about our commitment to work and getting people back to work, um, having businesses that we can partner with. Um, to help our folks return to work, sometimes full-time, often part-time. Often part-time with supports is something that we really, really value. Yeah, I, I, I mean, imagining the end game, not the end game, but one of the goals being getting people reacclimated with society and their cultures and their communities and et cetera, one of those things being very important is working and in Absolutely. order to help them get the jobs you need the jobs to be available. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it makes a load of sense to me. Absolutely. And, and how does this all tie into, to Sunday, right? Sunday, May 15th sure. at city fields, venturehouse.org. If you want more information, um, but it's a mental health awareness event at city field partnered with the New York Mets close to home for you in many ways. Yes, uh, yes. But, but how does this tie into an event like this as well? So two years ago, the Mets were going to have their first ever Mental Health Awareness Day in May. And then in 2020, the world changed. Mm -hmm. And that did not happen. And it wasn't only public health and uh, physical health that got messed up. Mental health was a huge, huge thing that to do with COVID. That is correct. That is correct. It's something that we can all experience. And maybe that has helped with... Um, people's empathy and understanding. Mm -hmm. 
so last year, um, there was not a mental health awareness day. I guess the Mets felt like they had to sort of, you know, regroup a little bit with the limited fans that were coming. We actually had an event last year at City Field uh, where we partnered with the Mets and we had about 100 people show up. Um, and we were tabling on Shea Bridge there and it was so successful that we thought we wanted to do it again. So I was in contact with uh, our uh, group sales rep there and it turned out that they were going to have another go at Mental Health Awareness Day. So go. we jumped right on that. Um, they are partnering with an organization called Same Same Here, SameHere.org, um, which um, is really about raising the issue of mental health and mental and mental wellness and mental awareness for everybody, which right. is so which is so important. It's not necessarily. Um, targeting to our population, but it's just mental health in general. Yeah. That's, that's, that's great. Um, and we're an organization that just sort of jumped on that and we bought up a whole section, section 139 for the tickets. And uh, I think we have a couple of tickets left, not too many, but if your listeners are tuning in, there you go. they can, um, they can purchase a ticket. Tickets are $60 uh, with uh, some of the proceeds going to um, Venture House um, they can go to our website, as I mentioned earlier, www.venturehouse.org. They can call me. I'll give my phone number, 646-747-1531. That's 646-747-1531. If they want to make a donation, if they want to buy a ticket, um, if they want to learn about Venture House and this wonderful clubhouse model, or if they just want to talk mental health or if they want to talk Mets. Yeah, that's, there you go. That's fine, too. Uh, and I'll give you my email address as well. It's dplotka at venturehouse.org. That's D, David, my first name. Uh, D, P, like Peter, L-O-T-K-A, at venturehouse.org. Fantastic. And I'll, I'll link all that stuff into the description of the episode on YouTube and on uh, the podcast apps great, as well great, so great. people can find it there. That's it, it really is is fascinating work and important work. Thank you for all the stuff that you've done sure, and sure. you're going to do for this. And I hope it's a awesome event on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I know we're going to get a little short on time here, uh, but is there, if there's anything else you want to get off about Venture House and what it's like to you to work there and what you've seen accomplished, you know, oh firsthand, gosh. give oh me, maybe give a quick story or a quick idea of, of some of the impacts that you guys have pulled off over wow. the years. Wow. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't think, I think we have to do a second podcast for <laughs> part, that. Part two I, yeah, coming. yeah. I mean, I've been at Venture House for 12 years and um, to quote one of my other um, coworkers, one of our um, directors, our director of housing, Larry Jones, just a beautiful person. Um, you know, Larry says Venture House is my life. And um, while I have a great full life here, I've got a family and I've got a great community here in Jersey city. Yeah. Venture House is a, Big, big part of my life. It is a beautiful, beautiful organization. And just seeing the growth um, in um, the members that I work with, um, seeing the growth in the staff that I um, help to supervise, um, seeing the growth of the agency, um, you know, the need, the need is endless. Um, but the, so is the potential. So is the human potential. Um, and it, 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 is, it, is, it is just a wonderful organization. It's a wonderful, wonderful model. If you go to our website, I encourage your listeners to um, look at our video 
We uh, are very proud of a video that uh, we just finished up last year. Um, and it is a lot more, it can, it, can, it can speak to the model a lot more uh, uh, beautifully than I'm doing right now. Um, it's great. Yeah. It's great. Um, at the game itself, I just want to go back. Um, we will be tabling uh, there. We will have a table um, um, on Shea Bridge or like we did last year. Um, for Venture House um, and our partners, the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene, uh, the New York State Office of Mental Health, and they'll be there and we'll be handing out some of our swag and giving out information. And, um, you know, that was very successful last year. I believe when the game is over, there's a post-game chat as well. Uh, I think Doc Gooden is going to be there talking about some of his mental health struggles, some, you know, very public struggles that he had with addiction. Right. Uh, so we're looking forward to that, um, um, you know, hearing from Doc as well. Beautiful and inspirational. It really is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy we talked about this and we'll have to do it again. I know I was thinking about maybe mixing in some more Mets Yankees talk on the flip side of things, but we might sure. have to just table that for part two. Great. And we'll talk more uh, about mental health and, you know, the awareness and yeah, what yeah. can be done. And we'll mix in some more baseball talk. But, David, this was this was a pleasure. So Thank you. I, I appreciate it greatly. And good luck with the event and good luck moving forward. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Pete. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Okay.